Welcome to the podcast of Dr. Michael Jacobs. We believe today's message will help you walk in faith and have victory now. Brother Hagen says, it's dangerous to come up to light and not walk in it. So, you know, when we don't know what to do, that's a different deal. And a lot of times when you're saved, you first get saved, of course, you don't know what to do. You just know you're in love with Jesus, but somebody's got to teach you. And even after that, sometimes we've been taught wrong, and then that causes conflict because then somebody else that teaches the real gospel, the real Jesus that I teach, then that has to be undone what's already put in people. And they've got to get truth in them. But it's dangerous to come up to light and not walk in it. Dr. Summerall said, Your degree of obedience reflects your degree of sincerity to serve God. And one thing that's kept me in good stead with God, not that I've done everything right, is that I've been obedient in my giving for almost 40 years now. And a few years back, I asked him, I said, Have I ever disobeyed you and when you told me to give something? I wasn't being a smart aleck or nothing. I just said, I'd like to know if there's something I haven't done you told me to do financially. And he said, no, sir. I said, thank you. Just wanted to be sure about that. You know, because you can get covered up where you don't hear clearly. Obedience to the Word of God, Dr. Ed Dufresne says, my spiritual father, obedience to the Word of God will drive fear out of your life. You know, that's one thing where I've just trusted God to take care of me all these years too. I've had faith in Him, not the arm of the flesh. Or not people, but trust God. Do my part in my giving and then trust Him to take care of me. You know, the Bible says, Cursed is the man that trusts in his flesh and trusts in the arm of men. So we're just talking about, we're talking about our giving right now. Now, we're going to talk today about the tithe. I'd like you to go to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3 with me. And we're going to talk this morning about uh, the purpose, the purpose of the tithe. Now, we could spend, I could teach you for six hours on this, but I'm, I'm condensing some material, and I think we'll get to what we need to say with you. And... Uh, I do know this, that the Bible teaches us that we're connected to Abraham. I'm in uh, Proverbs 3, but I'm, I want to just talk a minute to you. That, you know, it said if you're Abraham's seed, we just read it a minute ago during the offering in Galatians. If you're Abraham's seed, then uh, you're heirs according to that promise. And it says that he tithes, and I read it to you earlier in Lord's Supper, he gave tithes of all to Melchizedek. And by the time you get to the end of his life, which, you know, he's lived to be quite an older man, uh, it says in Genesis 24, 1, that when Abraham was old and well-stricken in age, he wasn't sick, he was just an old man. It said that God had blessed him, the Lord had blessed him in all things. See, I don't let those things get away from me when God speaks to me. And he did 20 years ago or better. It said he went to his grave in peace. I'm looking for that when, that's, when I'm ready. To go in peace, not in conflict. Not feeling like I failed. Not feeling like I didn't do what God told me to do. And, and part of it is in this area here, the financial arena. God doesn't have any money in heaven that floats down. He'd be a counterfeiter. 
All the money we need is right here in the earth. And I'm showing you, if you have a heart to serve him, how you can begin to get in on his plan. I'm pretty hard on the young couples that come to me that don't tithe. If I know they don't tithe, I challenge them. I said, well, how in the world do you think you're going to make it if you don't put God into your finances? Do you realize what you're about to embark on? I mean, kissy face and huggy bear only go so far, my friends. As good as that is, that in your life's not just based on that. Unless you're a, something's wrong with you. And I'm going to deal with that in a couple of months here. What God has to say about sex. It's never supposed to have been your Lord. It's just one component of a complete life if that's what you choose. And some people choose to be single. If they want to choose to be single and live a celibate life, that's their prerogative too. But anyway, I'll get back on this. But here what I saw when, when I looked at Abraham's life and saw when God dealt with him and he started tithing all through his life here and not just tithing, but he gave tithes of all. See, you can get compartmentalized in your head. All of us probably did when we were younger. When it said, oh, I didn't know that. I just tithed on my paycheck when I first started tithing. And then I realized people would give me money at times. You know, they started doing that. I didn't ask them for it. They start giving me a handshake or I'd somehow I'd get a birthday or Christmas or just things like that. And we would tithe. We'd say, well, what we gonna be, if we're going to tithe on all, then we need to tithe on it. And it's been progressive. We're just talking to you here. It's been progressive. We're not putting any... If you feel pressure from me, then you're, you're not thinking right. I'm just trying to show you what we've got to be thinking like, though, <coughs> if we're going to get involved in God's plan. So I want the end of my life to come to that and say, The Lord's blessed me in all things. Not just materialism, but in all things. But He could trust me with the money. And isn't it interesting, you know, in Jesus' teaching about uh, finances... He talked about it in Luke. He said, if uh, I can't trust you in the least things, these <coughs> mammon or financial or riches, who's going to give you the true riches? Yes. Indicating money was on a lot lower level than the true things that are genuine that you really need in your life. Like to sleep with a woman that's your wife and you know she's not out whatever. Or a husband that's not whatever. And your kids grow up and serve God. And you have peace in your life. And you have joy in your life. You have stability in your life. People, you know, just fall apart over everything. But you're not like that because now God's build, building into you the stability that comes from God and God alone. You don't think like the world. You don't act like the world. You don't talk like the world. See, you get older, that becomes real important to you. You know, when you're younger, you think it, your whole life's ahead of you and you just act like a fool sometimes. I sure did. But you know, that stuff only lasts so long. I ain't never had no high like Jesus. Ain't no sex could compare with it. Ain't no drugs could compare with him. Ain't no alcohol could compare with him. Ain't no amount of money that could compare with him. Listen to what I'm saying to you here. Trying to help you. So we're going to talk a little bit about the purpose of the tithe and that hopefully we would end up like Abraham because remember we're the seed of Abraham and end up in the latter years of our life and even starting right now if you start young and you, you, you don't have to wait to be old to have it be taken care of. You can be taken care of right now. But you're going to have to put him first in your thinking and first in your giving. 
A whole lot of people, I come by, I do sometimes when I'm drinking coffee, I go by Coffee Crossing maybe on Sunday night. I haven't done that recently, but I have a lot of times in the past and get a cup of coffee and come into, come into church or come into work or whatever. You, you know, I call it coming to minister, but still. Uh, and the whole parking lot at the cinema is packed. People giving their tithe. I'm sure that not all those people going in there are tithers. But they're spending money. You know, a popcorn box costs $14.50. I mean, you know, that's outrageous. Then you get indigestion. Anyway. <laughs> or spending it on something else. Frivolous, foolish stuff. Now, you can do whatever you like with this. I'm not out to get you. I'm out to help you. I'm out to show you if you put God first... Well, I'd have to give this up. Well, what's wrong with that? Jesus gave up everything for you. I'm not personally taking advantage of your money. I just get a salary, and I didn't even set that. And took a big cut last year. And some of my sons have made up the difference. Thank God for them. But the point I'm making is, I'm not putting down anything. I made that decision myself to to drop that of so much money to help keep staff on and different things like that not bragging just talking if I couldn't have done it then I wouldn't have done it but we're talking here about how are we what is the purpose of our tithe when you, that's 10% of what you have you know you may you may be on a part time job you may you may have an allowance if you're a real young person or whatever you may get so much a week whatever it is 10% belongs to God I didn't make that rule up God did and we went over a lot of this already but let's look here Proverbs 3 the purpose of the tithe number one thing is the purpose of the tithe verse 9 Proverbs 3 and 9 honor the Lord with thy substance with your stuff and with the first fruits, and when the first fruits is used in the Bible, it's referring to the tithe, the first part, the first fruit of all thine increase. Now, you know, I'm not bragging again. Let me just talk to you. You know, I'm in charge here as a pastor and leader. I tithe out of this church. I have since the very first offering we took. And by the way, the church will be 27 years old in April. And I told those men who were on the original board, some of them have moved away and different things, uh, that I would take 10% and we would sow that out. And I've kept my word 27 years almost. I'm going to keep it the rest of my life because I have the authority to do that. My wife and I have tithed, uh, whatever, how long it's been, about 38 years roughly. We didn't understand it first, but within a year or two, when we, once we got saved, we got more in the word and we started. And we, I told you a hundred times, I got in that meeting in Dayton after the James Robinson crusade, you know, we went to that to hear him. Then he had one of his associates had a little group at uh, some church in Dayton, Baptist church, and he taught on tithing that day. I'm sure he didn't teach what I'm teaching to this level, but at the same time still it was enough to convict me and to motivate me. And out of my honor to God, we sat in the parking lot before we ever left the parking lot of the church building and made a decision. It took us about two minutes. We didn't argue with each other. We didn't try to justify why we needed it. And you have to understand, you know, uh, you know, we had needs. <laughs> we, yeah, we had rent to pay and different things like that. Are you listening? I tithe. I've tithed personally all these years, and 
and giving offerings on top of that, I might add. But anyway, just tithing. And then when I started Michael Jacobs Ministries, we started giving out of that to different missionaries at the time and helping them. And we still do help some people that are on the field and different things out of that. Or we've given back into this church for special offerings out of that, which is above the tithe just to help us keep afloat and help us move and pay bills and do things. Again, I don't want you to think I'm bragging, but I want you to listen. I am not a man playing with this. Then when I started the aviation department and travel department, from the very first offering, the very first partner that decided to give us something, Donna can vouch for me. I've tied off the top of that to Dr. Dufresne's aviation all these years, four years now plus. I had the plane four years in June. Of course, we had the account before we bought the plane, but so four or five years. And that's the only four areas that I have authority financially where I can make that decision. And I made it, and I'm glad I made it, and, I'm, and it's going to stay made. Hallelujah. And it's a manner of honor. This is what I want to get over to you. Honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of all your increase. Now notice what comes with that, verse 10. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty. You say, well, I don't have a barn. You probably got a garage. You got a basement. You got a bedroom. You got a bed to sleep on, don't you? You got a stove to cook on, don't you? How many, anybody, anybody barefooted today? Not because of injury, but because you can't afford shoes. Well, you got shoes on. See, I'm talking to you about your barns. Whatever you have, God says your barns will be filled with plenty. You start into this and he starts coming, causing plenty to come to you. And thy presses, notice that, shall burst out with new wine. Bursting out means you have more than enough. Sometimes it doesn't all come in one fell swoop, you know. I'm dealing with stuff right now in the aviation department, but I'm knocking it down. Hallelujah. Some of you helped me last week. Now we haven't counted the last offering, but we'll get with Donna this week and we'll put some of that put a lot of that back on the the what I still owe on the card for that hallelujah you understand that's separate from the church see a few years ago the leaders of the church and I appreciate it they trust me they love me they were giving me 5% on my airplane every month I shut that down as well as took a pay cut see I'm, I'm in this I'm trying to help you to see something here but because we're going to honor God are, there, are you worthy of your salary? Of course I am. But I'm not, it's not just about me. It's about keeping my honor towards God. And then if He speaks something to me to do that I wasn't ready for, I obey. I obey. And I think that one year was probably about 50000 the church gave me for my airplane. I'm trying to remember. I don't remember. Maybe twenty-five or thirty anyway in a year's time. So we knocked that out. I made that decision and asked the board to back me. They were the ones that wanted to help me. Thank you. For, boy, you're the quietest group. It's not about me. It's about obeying God and honoring God with your first fruits. See, we're talking about... And things begin to come to you. Things begin to flourish in your life. Things burst out, filled. What does that indicate? Poverty, lack, want, destruction? No. God will take care of you, but you've got to honor Him. And it can't be a twisted arm. I'm not twisting your arm if you're not doing that. But when is that going to become a part of your lifestyle? I mean, if you haven't figured it out yet, you know you're not making it by not doing that. 
Oh, you may make some extra money for a while, and then your car goes kaput, and your freezer goes kaput, and the furniture falls about, and then you've got a new baby coming. Oh, my gosh. See? See, see what I'm saying? All kinds of stuff comes up that tries to distract us from doing the number one reason we tithe is to honor God. Honor Him. All right. Well, having said that, let's go on to number two. The second reason, not, not necessarily, I think the first one's certainly in the proper order, but two and three, I don't know. But anyway, supply God's house with what it needs. You might want to write that down. You're, as you bring your tithe to the church, the, the house of God in the local church, then you're bringing your supply financially to God's house to meet the needs in that house. So I want us to go to Haggai here a minute, the little book of Haggai in the Old Testament. Get up here around uh, uh, Malachi and take a, a left. Go back a couple books and you're in Haggai. Chapter 1, I'd like to, you to look at this with me because this is important here. We're talking about if I'm a part of a church, then, then I should do my part. If I'm a part of a family, I should do my part. I don't know about you. I was raised to have chores. My parents gave me an allowance. They didn't bump it up just because I did chores. You're going to do chores. You're part of this family. It's your turn to do dishes. It's your turn to mow the grass. It's your turn to use, turn to use the, well, I was going to say weed eater, but we had one of those hand things. Remember that? Oh, my God, I'd need somebody to pray for me after I did that. My hand would be all red, blistered the next two, three days, you know, cutting through the, around the fence. My parents weren't mean. They were, they were strict, but I had jobs. You know, if you're a part of something, you, if you're in a union, you got dues. You're going to be a part of something. There's probably something in that that you need to do. Well, you're a part of the Lord's house. We don't charge you for coming here or nothing. But you, if you're going to be a responsible, legitimate believer in this body, then you ought to do your part. Isn't that right? And, and you know my philosophy and attitude. I, my whole, this, this whole church, I'm a family guy. It's not just about me and my department or me having an airplane. I, I had trained teachers back in there all these years. I didn't even have an airplane. It's not about me. It's about taking care of your children. We hired Sean particularly, purposely, I did, to help us with the children's ministry. That was his number one responsibility. And, and still is. He's put on three or four, five, six, eight, ten hats now. In addition to that, hallelujah. hallelujah. And he ain't never complained yet. And some stuff's out of his, you know, if I say, I need you to go pull some weeds out here, wear your blue jeans. He'll show up in his blue jeans and gloves the next day if he needs to because he's committed to this house and he's committed to me. See, we're just talking here a minute. Uh, we're not trying to... Uh, project anything that's not genuine and a lot of you feel like that towards me and I appreciate that but we're talking about doing things God's way and God's house has needs sometimes and like Diana said for the most part we're thrilled with everybody here I mean I don't know how many times I've seen Steve Steve uh, Dolores Steve <laughs> Mr. Mr. Dolores oh there he is he's working now look at him 
He's in the sound booth. I come up here the other day for the gala event, and there he was getting out of his truck, and I said, what you doing? He said, oh, I'm assistant to Barry tonight. Barry was cooking the meat and did a great job. It was good meat. We got him a good piece of meat. Me and Pastor bought that for him because we wanted him to have a nice meal. And here's Steve up here working with Barry and you know to fix the meat part and all kinds of people in the kitchen some people had been here a long time and then some stayed and did dishes I mean thank you thank you thank you see that's the way the family has to operate we're talking about the tithe begins to bring the finances into the house to take care of it let's look here just a minute here verse 2 of uh, Haggai chapter 1 thus speaketh the Lord of hosts the Lord of the angels saying this people say the time has not come the time that the Lord's house should be built then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet saying it is time for you O you to dwell in your uh, sea laid houses your fancy houses and this house lay waste thus therefore now therefore thus saith the Lord consider your ways now I'm not blaming anybody I'm just saying this is consider you have sown much and bring in little you eat and you have not enough. You drink, and but you're not filled with drink. You clothe, but there's none warm. It, it, wouldn't you say that it's telling us here we, we're coming up short? And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes. It runs out. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the house, and I will take pleasure. This is the Lord speaking to I'll take pleasure in it, and I will be glorified. Not only takes pleasure, he gets glory out of the fact that we built this house. Of course, I know you're the house of God, not the building, but we together we, we built this with God's help, but he didn't do it without us. He didn't do it without my money and your money. And, of course, the bank helped us. But we're talking here about consider now because if you'll go put God's house first, verse 9, let me, read, let me go on just a minute or two more here. said, You looked for much, and lo, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why, saith the Lord of hosts, because of my house that is waste, and you run every man unto his own house. In other words, there's, there's things sometimes in the church that need taken care of, but people are more concerned about their own stuff. My wife and I sat down just recently and had a big, uh, not a big talk, didn't take us long, but we did talk. And we said, maybe we need to sell one of our cars or maybe we need to sell something else or we'll do whatever you tell us, Father. We got an agreement that we would obey God. Boy, as quiet as a mouse. We didn't, we, God didn't speak to us about it. We just said everything we have is on the table, even our home. Now, I know God told me, God told me, I don't know if he told her, but he told me, this is your home. But I put it back on the table because that's just the way that I roll. It's on the table. You tell me to do something different, we can do it. See, that's not a, that's not a unheard of option. We're not going to just keep that now. No, don't talk to us about that. See, that's not being sincere. I'm not telling you to do anything. I'm trying to show you that what, what he's telling us here is that the house of God had needs, but everybody goes home and it's all about their stuff. Now, for the most part, that hadn't been true here, I don't think. But we still need to hear this again because after a while, you get on a certain level, you feel like you're in control, and sometimes you leave God out of it, and he tries to speak to you, and you just let it roll away from you sometimes. 
Hallelujah. Is anybody listening? Let's read on here. Therefore, verse 10, because of this, the heaven over you is stayed from dew and the earth is stayed from her fruit. In other words, the stuff that I'd like to bring forth in your life, the fruit of whatever that I want to bring forth in abundance and produce in your life is not able to come forth because you put your own stuff before God's stuff. I could have probably pushed and kept my airplane if I'd have wanted to. But I, I put that before the Lord and I checked with him about it because I was going to sell it a year or two before. And the Lord said, don't do it now. And then he said, okay, you're okay. I release you from that. Because I just had so much on my plate. And this house comes first. God comes first. And the needs of this house come first. Does anybody care about this? I'm just talking to you here. And see, what happens is when we are disobedient in our giving, if that's the case, he says, heaven will be stayed from the dew or the rain to water your stuff and stayed from her fruit. Now, you ain't got no fruit other than what comes out of the earth. That car you're driving out there came out of somewhere. Didn't float down from Mars. Hallelujah. Listen to me. The contacts I'm wearing, they didn't come from some other planet. They came out of this planet, out of earth. All right, so here he's telling us there's a supply that needs to come to God's house for the needs that might be there. Uh, let's, since we're close by, let's run over here quickly to Malachi and look what he says here. I want you to, I just want to read a verse or two and then we go, we go, we're in good shape. We're in good shape at the time we're taking. I want, the purpose of the tithe is number one, to honor God. That's the number one desire in my heart that God be honored in my life in my life, period, but in my life, in my giving, too. And uh, so we're looking here at Malachi 3, verse 8. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed thee? And he responds, in tithes and offerings. I'm talking about the tithe this morning. You are cursed with the curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. And here's what I wanted to get to, verse 10. Bring, all the, bring you all the tithe into the storehouse. In other words, the place where you're ministered to, the place where you're fed, the place where you bring your family. You know, it's not right. I think you know this, but it's not right for you to send your tithe to a TV preacher. And I've, I've never checked you on that. And, you know, I guess I'd have a legal right because the Bible says to minister to those that are among you. So you're out there playing with all these other ministries and giving them stuff. And then you want me to come to the hospital when you get in trouble. Or when you're having problem with your pregnancy or when you're having problem in your body or when you have other problems and issues, you want me to counsel you and drop everything. Yeah. I don't charge you for that. You know, a good counselor charges $80, $100 an hour, maybe more now. I've never charged anybody for coming. Occasionally somebody brings me a blessing and I receive it and we tithe on that and spend the rest of it. You know, whatever. Pay bills, do whatever, go out to eat. But here's my point. He says here, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Now watch this, that there may be meat in my house. I've said this for years and years and years. Of course, I'm well taken care of. It's not about me right now, but I'm talking to you about what the purpose of the tithe is, to have meat in God's house. There's a lot of young preachers at these seminaries and these surrounding little cities and bergs try to hire a preacher and practically starve him out. He's probably 30 with two or three kids and pay him some kind of atrocious little amount of money 
and then they're mad and talk bad about preachers because they've got to move on after they finish seminary because they can't even take care of their family. Any church with 50 to 75 to 100 people could take well, good care of a pastor if they were committed. Hallelujah. If everybody in that place tithed. Of course, it may not be what I make today. I've been at this 40 years. And maybe he's just starting out or she, and maybe they got two or three years under their belt, and naturally they're probably not going to make what I make. How many are listening, really listening? And, but meat, he's talking about here, is not necessarily us giving you a pork chop. He's talking here about the spiritual meat of God's Word because you make, it, you make the man of God and the house of God where you attend enough to take care of the needs so they can dedicate themselves to the work of God and bring forth not some frivolous thing they read in some stupid book, but they get in the Bible for themselves because they're committed. They don't have to go work another part-time job or a full-time job. There's no such thing as part-time pastors. Even if you volunteered. I was a volunteer for many years back at First Baptist. They didn't pay me anything. And my life was consumed with those young people. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, any kind of event we had, I was in the midst of it. And pastor too. And nobody was clapping, you know, patting us on the back or giving us money or putting us on salary. We loved children. We loved young people. We loved God. We were honoring Him with our time and our money. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But here's the thing. When you provide correctly for your church, you're allowing us to do things that we need to do as a church. You know, we don't have to have, and we don't have really a really elite sound system in my opinion. We, we made what work what we had, and we've piecemealed it together. But my God, wouldn't it be something we didn't have a mic, and I was up here screaming at you all the time, and it was cracking and popping, and I know we have that some now even, but still, well, I've been in churches where you just wanted everybody to shut up. Nobody sing, nobody talk. It's terrible, the feedback. You know, you, you hear these preachers, anybody here, and they're hitting their... He needs a little professionalism too, but anyway. Think about that. And we just have an old gravel parking lot for all you ladies with your nice high heels. Let it sink down in the mud a little and let those rocks scrape, scrape them up the side. See, we did that in some of the older churches we were at because we didn't have the money to fix it. I've been there, did that, it's no fun. What if we only had one restroom? You ladies, you're done. You forget it. You're, <laughs> you're just going to have to hold it. <laughs> no, I mean, it's not perfect here, but it's nice. Catch on to what I'm saying. And there's, there's meat in the house because the, the, the leadership has took care of me the best they know how. It's gotten better as we've grown, and I thank God for that, but they did the best all along. Their hearts are right. I'm trying to commend everybody, but I want to make this clear. See, sometimes businessmen get so throttled down, and, and they're thinking about their man, their man of God. Your prosperity is connected to your local church and your man of God. Now, let's go. Wait a minute. I got one more. Go to Second Chronicles here, 29. 2 Chronicles 29. You don't mind me talking to you about this, do you? Just trying to help you to see the first thing we're talking about is everybody bringing their tithe 
no matter what level it is. It might be 37 cents. It might be $3. It might be 30. It might be 300. If you make 3,000 a week, then it'd be 300, wouldn't it? But whatever it is, honor it. Don't look down on the amount. You're, if you're given a tenth, you're tithing. You know, we, we're not here to compare socially what status everybody's at financially. It's that everybody does their part. And these are the reasons we do it. We honor God, and we're trying to take care of God's house properly so there be meat in the house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, uh, let's look here at uh, 2 Chronicles 29, 1 through 3. Hezekiah began to reign when he was 5 and 20 years old, that's 25 years old. And he reigned nine and 20 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Abijah, the daughter of Zechariah. And he did that which was right. What did he do? He did right in the sight of the Lord. According to all that David his father had done, he in the first year of his reign. Now, this is something he did right up front. In the first month. Boy, he's the guy's committed. What did he do? He opened the doors of the house of the Lord and he repaired them. Up in the previous chapter, the last king had shut the doors of the house of God. And, you know, things like that. Every time you go through the Bible, in all the kings of the Old Testament, some of them did evil in the sight of the Lord. And it says, later he says, they, he made, Hezekiah made them take all the filth out of the house of the Lord. They had idols in there and all kinds of weirdness. The doors were deteriorated. He had to repair them. But you have a house, you have to repair it. You know, it's not a thrill to drive in here every day with a tore-up pavement. But right now, we can't do all that we're going to do until we have the money to do that. So I'm asking you to believe and asking you to help me when that's needed. I'm going to give some projects in the future and stuff. But we're seeing some legitimate things here. It says that he, he was right in the eyes of the Lord, and he had opened the doors of the house. How about this? How about if I was just so chintzy? Well, you can't have any other meetings other than the ones I'm in here for. We don't want the lights turned on. It costs too much. We're not going to put these lights out here. We pay for them, you know, every month out on our parking lot. I had them put in personally. I didn't personally put them in, but I had them put in personally for your safety and so people could see to get to their cars. Thank you, doctor. You're welcome. I'm talking to you. Hopefully there's toilet paper back there to use. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, even gave you a little special cup for your little juice today. See, see what I'm saying? This stuff costs. And we're not complaining about any of it. And, and, and what I'm trying to show you is this man, he was a king. He did what was right, and he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. When, when things are in disrepair, they have to be taken care of. Maybe everything can't be done all at once. Everybody ever been there in your house? and your car, and you take it in for something, they say, well, this is going to cost this much to get it all done. You might get by with this and get this much done. Sometimes you've got to just see what you can do. But we all, as a family of God in a local church, we're here to do things together, and your tithe goes to do these things. And I don't get up every day and tell you, well, we just spent 4000 to put a new something in and we spent 8000 to do this or 2500 to do that. I make those decisions. Thank you. When I feel we can and when it's necessary and sometimes it's critical. We just had somebody work on something in the back because it, something wasn't working right, the furnace or something, I forget. And we had to check out and how much it's going to cost. Well, we've got to get it done. The babies are back there. 
It's not like, well, I don't think we can afford it. We just got to do it. Because I'm, I'm not a dumb person. I wouldn't want my baby back there if we didn't have proper whatever. How, how many understand? Of course, my babies are there, my grandbabies, but that's, not, that's irrelevant. I'm still the pastor and been that when I didn't have kids and when I did have kids. And now I've got grandkids. Because I'm a four of them. Woo! Well, we're going to Grandpa's today. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right, now let's talk for just a few more minutes here. I'm just about done. So the purpose of the tithe is to honor the Lord, number one, to supply God's house with what it needs. There are needs. You work somewhere, everybody here that works somewhere, you work somewhere. How many know it'd be hard to work in your factory if there wasn't no lights on? You got a little flashlight, you know, you're, and you're building something that's precision. It's not going to work and go very long. They got probably a break room where you're at. They got vending machines where you're at, or even a cafeteria in some places at school. They do and whatever, and it just takes money to do all that. We got a trash can out here. I don't know. It's a waste management thing. You know, they come and dump it every week or whatever it is. That has to be paid for, or it stinks out there after a while, or the raccoons get in there and play a lot. I don't. <laughs> Hallelujah. Sometimes we put snipers in the tree with night go vision. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. You listening to me? I'm enjoying teaching this. I hope you're enjoying it as much as I am. Just talking about some basic things that we have to think about as a church. I would always, me personally, I'd always like to improve whatever we have. That's my philosophy. I'd just like bring it up another notch, bam it, whatever you want to call it. But sometimes I have to hold up on some things because other things take priority. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm not going to spend money to put a new uh, asphalt out here when our babies might be cold. I think you know me well enough that I don't need to say a lot of that kind of stuff, but you get, you get my drift. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And uh, here we are, let's see, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. And the third thing is, take care of the ministers. And not just me, but our ministers in this house here that we have. Maybe not all fivefold, but still the staff. Take care of them. You know, we do have insurance, but we, we, we have a medical plan and an insurance thing combo. And sometimes we haven't been able to hardly put anything over there for a long time. We had a few thousand dollars a while back, put it over, and immediately it was taken because people had paid it out of their own pocket, and it was part of the deal for them to not have to do that. How many understand what I'm saying? But, you know, I'm just talking to you here. I could, we could have said, well, we're going to whack that out, get your own insurance. You know, and, been, been like, and I don't want to have to do that if I don't have to. You ladies that have been pregnant, you appreciate your husband's having insurance, or you have it, or something. How many would say amen to that? Amen. I didn't have insurance for either of my babies. I know what that's like to be faced with the hospital saying this, the doctor saying this, the anesthesiologist saying this, and you're going to pay that before you bring her in. Well, okay, I get on my faith. I got on my face, and I got on my faith, and I got in the Word, and I believed God, and it all came. So I'm not talking about somebody else's experience, and I'm not making fun of you if you have insurance i got to watch how I talk about insurance people. But anyway, praise the Lord. 1 Corinthians 9. 
And it's not a slam on everybody. You understand that. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Let me find my reference here. Verse 6. Or I only in Barnabas have not we power to forbear working? Who goeth at a warfare at any time at his own charges? These guys coming back from Afghanistan. God bless them. And uh, Iraq and wherever they've been in the earth you know, helping us and protecting things. He says, they don't go there and pay for their own bullets and their own guns and their own boots. That's insane. No, they go because somebody's taking care, but they're doing their part. Who plants a vineyard and eats not of the fruit thereof? Or who feeds the flock? Hey, that's me. And eats not of the milk of the flock. So this isn't some irrational thought that we have because I'm feeding you, you owe me. But it's saying here, if I do feed you, it's it's not absurd to think that you would help take care of me. And not only me, but Dale and Arlene, Donna, Brother Sean, uh, Brother Jordan, Sister Jessica. Hallelujah. You listening to me? Uh, we, we need this staff. We, we need all of them. They're important to us. Hallelujah. And so here we go. Let's see what it says here. Uh, say I these things as a man, or saith not the law the same also? In other words, it's written back in the Old Covenant. For it is written in the law of Moses, Thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treads out the corn. Doth not God take care for oxen? Or does he say it for our sakes? For our sakes, no doubt, it is written, that he that ploweth should plow in hope, and he that thresheth in hope should be partaker of his hope. If we have sown unto you spiritual things, that's what I do primarily with you, is it a great thing if we reap your carnal things or material things or whatever? You see what I'm saying. Some people in our church make really good salsa. Some people. And they give me jars of it sometimes, and that's more precious than a $100 bill. <laughs> Just talking here. You listening? It's not absurd to say that. And if others be partakers of this power, how about Kmart, Walmart, Kroger's, J.C., Walgreens, GNC, wherever you shop and whatever you do. If others be partakers of this power over you, they, they have power over you when you go into a store. If you pick up something, you've got to pay for it. We're not telling you you have to pay for this, but he's given us an illustration. If others are partakers of this power over you, are not we rather? Nevertheless, we have not used this power, but suffer all things, lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. Now, if we stop there, you would think that uh, it, Paul was boasting and said, well, you don't have to take care of us. But 2 Corinthians 12, let me, I'm going to come back here, but let's look at this a minute. 2 Corinthians 12, go over here with me. Because that used to bother me. I thought, well, Paul, you sound kind of arrogant about that. Almost. 2 Corinthians 12, verse uh, 12 and 13. Same church, same group of people. He writes them in the second letter and says... Truly, 2 Corinthians 12, 12, Truly the signs of an apostle, that's what Paul was, were wrought among you in all patience, signs and wonders and mighty deeds. For what is it wherein you were inferior to other churches? Now notice this. He made this church inferior. He called them inferior, except it be that I myself was not burdensome to you. Forgive me this wrong. He's now, he's asking them to forgive forgive him that he didn't lay out some kind of mentality that you should be responsible to take care of the ministers who minister to you faithfully 
Brother Sean runs the children's department, so he runs all the teachers and the directors and different things. I mean, he is an ordered person. He's really, uh, really the administrator here practically about everything, a lot of things. And Donna and Jessica and Jordan and Dale and Arlene, they do all kinds of... Nobody wears one hat here that works for me. And I tell them, if you've got a problem with that, then you just need to turn your keys in, if that's the way it's going to be. Hello, you guys are looking all like your underwear's in a bunch. Relax a little bit here with me. <laughs> no, I love and respect my staff, but sometimes things come up and we have to say, you're going to have to help with this right here, and that's not in your normal sphere of influence or whatever. Same for me. I just wanted to preach the gospel and be a sweet preacher, and I didn't realize I'd have to be a businessman and and uh, 14 other hats that I wear to do what I do now. When I started, I just love Jesus, still love Him, still want to serve Him, still do serve Him, but I, it's embraced a whole lot of more out of me than I ever dreamed it was going to require. All right, so he repented that he didn't cause them to be a little more responsible for him, not to, not to do what's un, that's not right, but to be responsible. How many are really listening to me? I've been, a, I've been a, a spiritual father over a lot of ministers, or a few ministers anyway, all these years. And they asked me to get involved with things. And I said, well, you know, you, how long have you been at this level? And they say, you know, whatever. And I said, well, you need a raise. And you know what? Every time we ask for that, the people come to that level? Nobody asked, Nobody asked before. Sometimes I meet with other people's boards if they want me to. Some maybe don't want to turn me loose with them. But anyway, <laughs> no, not trying to take advantage of people, but to do what's right by the Word of God. Do you think that President Obama takes out his personal charge card to fill the jet with fuel? That's 747. Come on, folks. He's the President of the United States. He's got an endless supply of whatever he needs to take care of him. 50 people going with him, they got to sleep somewhere. They got to eat. They got to take a shower and use the restroom, shave, all that stuff. Who's paying for it? Well, that goes with his office. I'm not saying I'm the president. I'm just trying to show you in normal thinking people. The TV just spins it on all the people like Madoff and a couple other crazy people. But there's thousands of executives in our country and presidents and CEOs and so forth and senior pastors, whatever you want to call us, that do a good job and are faithful and committed and very dedicated to that church and the people they love. And, you know, some of them never ask for hardly anything. But when they're in a position, others around them should get a revelation of that and make sure that things are well taken care of. Hallelujah. Talking to you here a minute. Not, not, I'm not reprimanding anybody. I'm trying to show you how the system works. We don't think unusual about that. I mean, what would you think if the president were coming in a single-engine prop job with three other seats and the pilot and is all dented up and the paint was off of it and a flat tire on one side? you think, my God, who's in charge of this? Fire him. Hallelujah. Talking to you here. 1 Corinthians 9. Let's get back to this a minute. I'm just about done here. Praise the Lord. Man, you pulled some good stuff out today. 
And I thank you so much, and very sincerely, my wife and I thank you for your diligence, your faithfulness, your giving. You know, we're not here to correct everybody. We're trying to show you the system of God's way of looking at finances and what it should be used for primarily. Hallelujah. Of course, if the building was paid off, I could do a lot more for a lot of other things. We're not there yet. We still owe about a million dollars. So, you know, we're just talking. I'm not asking you to upgrade anything unless God speaks to you. I'm showing you, though, this is what your tithe does. Now, here in 1 Corinthians 9, he says uh, here in verse 13, Do you not know that they which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple? And they which wait at the altar or minister at the altar are partakers with the altar. That's where they would bring their tithes and offerings, by the way, at the altar. Even so hath the Lord ordained, this is His ord, ordina, an ordained thing, that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. Now isn't it interesting, how many of you had never seen that in 2 Corinthians and I just showed you how he repented over that later? How many had never seen that before? I got one hand, a couple little hands, a couple other hands. See, see when we read the Bible, we've got to be cautious. We don't just read one little verse and think that's the way it was forever. Hallelujah. So we're talking about some things here. Verse 14 again. Even so the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. You know, I used to work a part-time job when I came to seminary because I needed to have a job. I needed to have some money. My wife went to work full-time, helped me get through seminary, and I appreciate it, honey. And, but when I left that job and God called me to be a youth minister at a church out in Charlestown for a year or so, then I left that job and I talked to the Lord about it and the Lord said, I don't want you to have to work a secular job anymore. You believe me to take care of you. My faith's starting to work now on a different level. And said, you just trust me to take care of you. You know, I resigned my church on a Sunday night in Louisville that I pastored out there, Community Baptist out in Fern Creek. I resigned my church, sitting in a meeting with some men of the church and the Lord said I want you to give me your resignation and you leave tonight and don't ever come back so I began to tell them you know I said well the Lord just told me that I'm to leave and not come back well they all started crying I said well I'm, I'm sorry you men are crying I'm, I'm not thrilled about it either but that's what God just told me I know the voice of God so if, you, if I can help you get a pastor I'd be glad to help you I know some good uh, you know young guys from seminary could help you but anyway, I left there, and then Monday morning I got up, and I realized, I don't got, what am I going to do now? What am I going to do now? And uh, I, I, I said to God, I said, God, you got me in a fine mess. He didn't say anything right then. And so later that day on Monday, somebody called. It might have been Dale or it might have been Linda Snyder. I don't remember who called and said, hey, we're going up to the jail, and where's that, Madison, and minister to some prisoners. You want to go with me? And at first I said, oh, I don't know if I want to do that. I was a lot of confusion on me and everything. Anybody listening? So I got up there, and there's a guy there in the jail ministry, and he was uh, pulpit supplying out in Otisco, and he said to me, hey, uh, Brother Michael, would you, would you be willing to come preach next Sunday? At first I said no, because I just was just, you know, so confused right then. I know you've never been there, but I was right then. And so about 20 minutes went by and the Lord rebuked me. He said, go tell him, apologize to him. Tell him you'd be glad to go. So, you know, by next Sunday morning, I was in another church preaching. They even took an offering up for me. Wow. 
I didn't go just to get an offering. I was just thrilled to be used somewhere. And then they said, could you come back uh, tonight? I mean, Sunday night? Yeah. Well, I guess I can. Let me check my schedule. <laughs> and then they said, could you come back Wednesday? And I came back Wednesday. And then they said, could you come back Sunday? And I came back Sunday. And come, come back tonight? And, I, yeah, you know. and we did that for about two weeks. And they said, would you come be our pastor? There's about eight or nine people there, maybe ten. There's about eight or nine that knew me from that area, and they ended up coming, and there we stayed for four years. God took care of us. That's my point. He took care of us. A lot of things back in those days we dealt with, you know. Church that didn't smell too good, and pews that set up. You had to go to chiropractor once you sit through a service. <laughs> Junk cars out in the parking lot. I had hauled away. All kinds of stuff. But see, God was using me and helping me to, to, to my character to get established. I don't know why I told you that. Just see, God's taking care of me because I've trusted Him. Amen. Hallelujah. And he, He'll take care of you if you'll trust Him. Yes. Hallelujah. And it's been progressive. It's been progressive. You know, if I'd have tried to go from Otisco to where I'm at today, I could have never done that. It's been too much. But little by little, as I've yielded to God and just... And really, I never was ambitious to have a lot of things. I was ambitious to obey God. Do what He told me to do. Then I went in the traveling ministry for three years. You need to hear this. I know I'm over 1 o'clock, but let me get this out. So somebody called me the uh, helicopter pilot from Fort Campbell, Kentucky, the 101st Airborne, and have a helicopter unit down there. You know, all kinds of helicopters, transport helicopters, Apache helicopters, some bad motor scooters. But anyway, one guy called me and said, would you come down and teach us the Bible? I went and he had 30 people gathered up in his home that night. And they took an offering, didn't even give me enough money to pay for my gas back home. And I was coming back down the road and all of a sudden the devil started working on me. He said, don't go back, they don't want to take care of you, you know, da 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 And the Lord said, they're going to call you and have you come back. You obey me and go back there minister to him I went back the next whatever it was next month they gave me 10 times what they gave me the first offering see sometimes God will try you are you really interested in helping people or is it all about your income the devil told me years ago after I got spirit filled the devil told me he said I'll take care of you put you in a nice parsonage if you just shut up about healing and tongues I said to the Lord, I don't know, maybe you don't think like me. But I said, well, what about you? What about you, Jesus? He said, you will have my power. And that's all I'm going to promise you right now. See, he was testing me. Not testing me with evil. Testing me if I'm sincere about this thing. I never forget getting in my little car, my little beat-up car, after these guys rung me out that had big churches and paid parking lots and all had doctorates then and made me feel like the scum of the earth because I believed in something. And I said, Jesus, I'll take the power and anything else that you want to do in my life, but I'm not going to turn loose of that power. Look what he's done. That was in 1978, just about 30-some years ago. See, you don't know some of these stories unless I tell them to you. But if you're sincere about serving God, you may have some stories later to tell too. Of how you were tested and tried and pressured.
by the devil or God was testing you not with evil but testing to see if you're sincere about doing this for the right reasons I've said none of these things to get anything from you but to get a revelation to you that this is we got to think intelligently we got to think ethically and we got to think morally about our church in order to function with God correctly that's all I'm saying praise the Lord how about standing up with me praise the Lord Praise God, I'm excited about it. Let's thank Him for what His provision has been already in our life. Let's lift our hands and thank Him. Anybody here? Our food, our refrigerators, any appliances we have. and Oh, we thank you, Father. You've been so generous to us. You've blessed us mightily already and we thank you for it. And we're just here to thank you a minute for your plan of prosperity that we honor you, we take care of God's house, we take care of God's servants. And that's the purpose, the main purpose of the tithe. And we thank you for it. And in this house in particular, we've made sure a tithe of that tithe has went on to bless others since the inception of this church. And I, I, I just put you in remembrance of that, Father, about a million point six, maybe more, that we've sowed into other ministries. And, and, and in particular the last few years to Dr. Dufresne because he's my spiritual father. And we thank you for it. Just like Abraham tithes to Melchizedek. So, Father, we are giving our tithe locally here to help this house and then there's a tithe going out of that to help someone else go around the world and preach the gospel. We thank you for it, Father. And we're believing that you multiply our seed sown. And it's coming back to us. This is our harvest time. Not just me, but all of us here. It's our harvest years. It's our harvest time. And harvest is coming. And, and oh, thank you, Father, for your blessing on our life. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for it. Amen and amen. Praise God. I hope you got something out of that. Listen, come tonight if you can. We're going to be talking about another issue here about finances. See you around. God bless. Thank you for joining us today. To view Dr. Jacob's travel itinerary, order products, and more, please visit cotrin.org slash mjm.